someone's raising their hand and I come over and they say, can you help me staple this piece of cheese to a block of wood? <laughs> and it's, and then that's my life for a little bit. Oh, I'm so happy right now. I need to walk over to your classroom more often. Anna Borsma, high school science teacher. Thanks so much for joining us. I can't wait for this conversation because I love to learn, especially about science, but I also am very bad at science, so I can't <laughs> wait to, no. to learn from you. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, can we start with this? Can we pretend I am an uninterested, bored, mm -hmm. disengaged student, and you have one minute to oh. convince me the universe <laughs> is cool? Okay, so... Go. Did you know that if we took all the planets and we squished them together, we could fit all of our planets between the Earth and the moon? Did you what? know that? Wait a minute. Yeah, so take all of our planets in our solar system. Okay. Put them end to end right next to each other, like balls lined up in a row. Between Earth and the moon? Yeah. Hot dog, I did not know that. Yeah, so... I don't no, care. This no, is dumb, lame. No, another question. Learning. Another I'm question. In character. So when you walk across the room, the things that are close to you and the things that are far away change more or less based on perspective, okay? So if we were to go to the moon, would the constellations start to look different because of the close and far stars? What do you think? I'm gonna say no. Ooh, good work. I'm, no. I'm just thinking, is it like the relative distance can't mm -hmm. be that crazy when we're thinking about like light years away. Yes. Fantasy, you know science. Oh, I'm so you excited got this. Right Mom, I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, so that's something where sometimes people think that if you go to the moon, I mean, that's really far away. We can fit all the planets in between us and the moon, but if you go to the moon, that's still not nearly far enough to make the constellations change. So, so you were setting us up there with that yeah. first question. Oh yeah. That was a sting. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, if you really wanted to see constellations change, you'd have to go, like, multiple light years away. So if we start thinking about that, how easy would that be? I'm guessing not very easy because as far as I know, not a ton of people have done that sort of thing. <laughs> no. So our fastest um, man-made object is Voyager 1. It's been flying out into space for many years. It was launched in 1977, and it is going 17 kilometers per second. So metric system. Oh, wow. Two, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's 38,000 miles per hour. What? Yeah. So just that one thing, flying out in space, going that fast. But if you were to get on Voyager 1 and you wanted to go far enough away that the constellations legitimately started changing, you would have to be on Voyager 1 for like 32 million days or like 87,000 years. I don't have that kind of time. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. When you talk about space, it gets into this kind of scale that's just so yeah. like it, it almost makes you just want to be quiet because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Quick question about Voyager 1, though. So how do we, I get that it gets to a point like where it's in orbit of the Earth, yeah? So Voyager 1, when it's first launched, they might go around the Earth a couple times, but then they launch it out into space. 
its actual purpose was to go past Jupiter and Saturn and take pictures. So a lot of the pictures that you see in textbooks of Jupiter and Saturn um, were taken oh. by the Voyager probes. Um, there's a Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. Um, but then it was already going out there, so they just let it keep going. And so now it's just they didn't seeing tie how a string far. to it to pull it back after it had gone. <laughs> not quite. Okay. Not quite. So now it's just kind of this fun thing that we can think of as humanity, uh, as a thing that people built that's just flying out of our solar system into the great unknown. And Jeez, I think that's Star what, Trek stuff right yeah. here. Yeah. Okay, now not to get too okay. too crazy here, but here's what blows my mind: Voyager One or everything else cool <laughs> that we've made, humans have made. Yeah. That came from the ground, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. we made that, and even the camera that's taking yeah. pictures of Jupiter, we basically made that from the ground, right? I mean, like, yes. we, we figured out how to combine Earth in ways to make a camera. Yeah. Like, what What the heck? Like, we, we, we I mean, I feel like we don't appreciate <laughs> that kind of thing very, very much. I mean, oh. that, that's nuts. Oh, yes, I agree. That's something where it's really easy if you have something that's already made that's already built mm -hmm. the idea of standing on the shoulders of the people in front of you um, who've gone before you but if you try to really make something from scratch it's really hard yeah, really I hard i know that's something in physics class um, I'll have students build a simple robot and they think oh yeah i'll just build this robot that flips a pancake no problem but then they start working on it and realize how many pieces, and they're not even building motors from scratch. It's hard. Is that a, is it, oh, is it Carl Sagan who says, uh, if you want to build a pie from apple, or if, <laughs> oh gosh, if you want to build an apple pie from scratch, you have to build a universe first or something <laughs> to that degree. It's awesome quote. I don't, I, I don't might know. have butchered it. Carl's not living anymore, but. Sorry if I got that wrong. <laughs> okay, well, do you know the do you know the book, The Toaster Project? I have not read it, but I have heard about it. So it's kind of about that. Basically, yeah. this guy realizes what you just said. That hold on, we, we I think we take for granted or assume. Of course, the world works like this. Of course, mm -hmm. I have a cell phone that I can call someone in another country and it just oh, yeah. connects me. Right? I mean, those are all just we we've become numb to the coolness of pretty yeah. much everything. Yes. And he attempts to make a toaster from nothing. <laughs> well, excuse me, not from nothing, but from, he goes yeah. and like mines raw metal to like make a toaster. And his toaster is garbage at the end. I mean, it's not <laughs> any good, but he chronicles this whole experience of like, whoa, everything around us came from the world. I mean, it's nuts. Oh, yes. Yes. Just engineering something and then understanding the science behind it, but then also the meaning of things. Like, Everything is all tied together. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that I love is not just doing one thing. And I appreciate that you love the science, um, even if that's not your subject that you <laughs> teach. Way um, over my head. <laughs> but I do feel uh, like every subject, you need just kind of a, a, an interested idiot in the back mm -hmm. of, of I, I could be your interested idiot in the back of your science <laughs> classes and yeah. just say, wait a minute, hold on. I don't understand this, but are you saying, that's a really helpful oh. role, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, just having the humility to ask the question. And I think that's something where there's a lot of people who are having those questions, but they don't want to feel like they're the person who doesn't yeah, know. Because yeah. it's like, well, what if everybody else already knows this mm -hmm, answer? Mm -hmm. But you need people to just ask why 
and not wonder about whether or not somebody else is wondering this too and that's that's hard yep it is it's hard it's scary and and it uh requires a kind of courage i think for sure yes okay let's delve into this a little bit more okay how did this happen for you where did your interestedness come from especially in terms of science in particular or you teach physics, is that right? Yes, yes. So, so how did this happen in you? What are some of those milestone noticings that happened in your life that made you think, wow, I want to I wanna go deeper? Man, you know, I guess I would say that my path was not clearly led to physics um, from the very beginning. I really got into being a physics teacher because of the teaching aspect. Mm. Um, I... I did a lot of tutoring and talking to people when I was a kid, um, and I dreamed of being a teacher, and I couldn't exactly say why, um, but just seeing people who had learning struggles around me all of a sudden understand something, Mm. uh, especially if I was the one who got to explain it to them, I felt like such a winner. Like I just just won the game of explaining. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of was led to that, and I actually originally thought, um, history teaching. Really? Um, oh my goodness. And I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm getting to know you here. Yeah. Wow, history. Yeah. Um, and it was just because I love stories and I, my first concept of history was that it was just a bunch of stories, um, which is not true. Um, it is a lot of meaning and, and evaluating and that's great. And I still love that aspect, but it also involves a lot of reading. And that is where, when I got into college, I realized that I have a lot more fun doing math than I have reading. Oh, wow. Reading's, You're one of the few. Yep. It, it's great. It's wonderful. But the math is what got me. And so that's where um, I missed science my first semester in college because I didn't have any science. And it wasn't until it was missing in my life that I realized how much I loved it. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's when I changed my focus and started taking them. And physics is what really sucked me in, um, along with chemistry, really close second, uh, because of the math. It's it's great. I think numbers are pretty. I mean, this is why I try to convince you that the universe is cool by listing numbers. Yeah, and that's, that's fascinating. Uh, I feel like math did a number on me as well, but it was a different sort of experience. I, mm-hmm. But you were drawn to your mm-hmm. subject that you now teach because of numbers. Mm-hmm. Any important people along that path that particularly inspired you or furthered your passion for teaching this subject later on? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of just the perspective of science and especially the interaction with Christianity and science, um, Professor, Professor Crystal Bruxford um, had a lot of meaningful things with that. She is the science education professor at Kelvin. Um, but she gets oh, mentioned oh. like every third podcast, by the way. Someone says Crystal Bruxford. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Crystal, oh, yeah. if you're listening, a lot of people have, you're an important part of a lot of people's story. So that's yes, pretty cool. That is true. So in physics and astronomy, there were also pretty significant professors. Probably the one uh, that really was significant was uh, Professor Larry Molnar. Like, he is just really passionate about what he does. Um, And so the science aspect was really interesting. Um, I went on an interim trip with him to look at astronomy, and we also did a touch of geology as well, Hmm. which was really amazing. 
Um, but he also is able to talk into education. And I think that was something that really struck my heart because, again, the education piece is what really makes me love doing what I'm doing and just how important it is to grow wonder in people. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That should be a quote on a wall somewhere. Yes. To grow wonder in people. So good. <laughs> so how did Professor Monar inspire wonder in you those years? So Professor Monar, especially on our trip, um, it was significant because he was just so straightforward and honest in his passion and his love, but he was also so humble. Um, I don't think I really appreciated what it meant to be a professional scientist um, because I had not done any summer research or anything. I saw them in the classroom and I had just come from high school, so I saw them as teachers. Um, but then when we went on this trip, he was sharing his research with other professional astronomers and the way they were responding and asking questions of each other, hmm. it started to help me realize I'm being taught by someone who's really respected in the hmm. field. And I was just thinking of him as a teacher. But that is something that he's passionate about, too. So, like, he has all these different parts of his story um, that really brought forward and so being able to see him as a professional and as a teacher and his passion is what then made me want to learn more about the subject itself and that was important the connections and so again I love that. that's very inspires cool. me as a teacher okay so growing wonder in students you're talking about you being on kind of the receiving end in college how about now as a physics teacher what's do you have like a favorite conversation <laughs> or a favorite lesson with students that you, you just can't wait to, as you say, grow this wonder in them. Right. Well, I, I guess there's two directions I can go with this. So first off, my favorite maybe idea or concept to teach because I love it myself personally is dimensional analysis. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I just love dimensional analyses. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a math method. So oh, gosh. that's why I love it. <laughs> um, and it's got a lot to do with units. And for me, I like that aspect because it's something where it takes a while to understand. Some people pick up on it really naturally, but others it takes some time to really work through it and it's like back in the day when i'm trying to explain it and i explain it five different ways and it's like tweak the word here tweak it there show it this way and then all of a sudden there's that moment where they get it and i feel like such a winner <laughs> i got this um, because they got this and so that's something where i have a ton of fun teaching that and it's in both chemistry and physics so i get to do it in multiple classes um so I, I don't think i've ever heard those words before say, say it again what is it dimensional analysis dimensional analysis you nope. use it when doing stoichiometry okay i haven't done stoichiometry <laughs> in a while that's why i didn't yes recognize it's all right that's i gotta dust off my stoichiometry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think that's maybe the concept that i like but in terms of activities and the wonder aspect is choose your own adventure labs um, so physics does this in particular where i give them a subject or like an area where they gotta work um, but they get to 
pick exactly what they're doing. And I talk to them about choosing something that's truly interesting to you. Mm. And, and for some kids, what's interesting is nice answers, like doing a lab that you would find in a textbook where it's perfect, it's crisp, they get a graph that's wonderful because then they feel like they, they had this great victory of making something work. Um, other kids like things that are quirky. Like, mm. it's fun if it's quirky. And so I love it because I, I love numbers, so I can walk over to the one group and kind of help them get this great graph. And then I turn around and someone's raising their hand and I come over and they say, can you help me staple this piece of cheese to a block of wood? <laughs> and, it's, and then that's my life for a little bit, throwing jelly at a wall to see how it slides down. Uh, learning the friction of a boiled egg versus a scrambled egg versus a poached <laughs> egg. Um, oh, it's I'm awesome. so happy right now. I need to walk <laughs> over to your classroom more often. <laughs> oh, yeah. Staple a piece of cheese. <laughs> that, that one was weird. The answer is that as it gets warm, uh, things really start to fall apart. <laughs> I would have probably guessed that, I think, with the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I just love that. It's fun for me. Even just walking the halls of this place is mm -hmm. fun, especially when doors are open and you get to just hear oh. like a mm -hmm. two, three second of what's happening in physics. And then you yeah. walk by English and the things they're exploring, the wonder that's growing is just a very different type of wonder. And then uh -huh. you walk by an art classroom and it's this whole other kind of every, every single walking by each classroom is like, oh man, this is awesome. And you, you kind of have mm -hmm. this sense that the universe is pretty cool and mm -hmm. I could explore this my entire life and only just begin to get a glimpse of all that God has made. Oh yeah, definitely. That is one of the amazing things about that general revelation is that you can just keep learning. Explain that for someone who, who's never heard that term, general yeah. revelation. What is that? Yeah, so God reveals himself to us through the Bible with special revelation, and then general revelation is just him showing himself to us in his world and just learning through him in what he's created. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why Psalm 19 is my favorite verse. The heavens declare the glories of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hand. And then that whole day after day imagery that they talk about. Um, I love that. I love patterns. I mean, this is lot why I like math, um, this repeated aspect um, that you can see. And when you study that and yeah, there's always special exceptions and there's always unique events and there's always these weird, intricate things that happen, um, but at the same time, there's patterns. And that, I think, speaks into who God is and the way in which he's this consistent presence in our lives. Um, and that's what really speaks to me as I look at the world. Hmm. Oh, I love that so much. So cool. Hey, speaking of that, faith and your faith in mm -hmm. particular, thinking back over your life, are there any particular moments as you grew up that mm. that uh, that you kind of look to as these milestone moments in your faith journey yeah yeah well I grew up in a Christian home and so there's a lot of things that I grew and appreciated but there's a journey between having it be like a, a mental knowledge and being a part of your heart um, and for that they were God moments I guess I would say um, 
One of them was really a combination of special and general revelation where I was out in the woods and I was reading the Bible and the verse that I was in just had extra meaning and then the birds and the trees and I had this incredible sense of calm and peace and presence that kind of came over me and that is definitely a moment that I remember where God felt so much more real Um, and sometimes he feels real in those moments of calm Um, but other times I guess I I had a, a God moment as well where it was in a moment of high anxiety and stress and I ended up having a God moment there instead. Hmm. So are you familiar with VeggieTales? Yes, okay. loosely. Yes. Um, so in VeggieTales, there's a character named Larry and there's a whole thing in which um, he becomes a superhero named Larry Boy. Oh yeah, okay, I do yeah. remember, yes. So in middle school, I was very shy. I did not want to speak out, um, but my friends wanted to be in the talent show. Oh, yeah. I like where this is going already. (laughs) Yes, yes. So we agreed to do the Larry Boy theme song in the talent show, and I was selected to be Larry Boy. What an honor. I mean, come on. You know, I think it's, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but it happened. And I just wanted to be a part of things. My friends were there. I wanted to be a part of it. And so I was like, yes, let's do this. Um, and it wasn't until we showed up at the talent show and I, when I remembered, you have an intense fear of crowds and you're going to get on stage. Um, so I was walking up the stairs uh, and when you're on a stage and you're in the far corner, the people in the front row way off at the edge can see behind stage. Um, And so probably about 10 middle school students could see me across the stage. And middle schoolers aren't exactly known for their (laughs) self-restraint or calm. Um, And so these kids saw me in my Larry Boy suit, which includes a hat that has plungers sticking out of the side. And so I have plungers on my head um, and I'm standing in a homemade cardboard box Larry Mobile car and they start laughing and they're laughing so hard that they're literally falling out of their chairs and they're on the ground and i go oh dear lord and it and it wasn't a curse it was no for real i need your help right now (laughs) what have i done do we have footage can can i i would love to see this it would be amazing, but luckily for me, this is back when people did not take videos uh, of everything. <laughs> so it is just in my memory. Um, but yeah, I just, that too was just this amazing moment of calm. And I didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere, but just all those moments. Maybe it's in the calm, maybe it's in that moment that of anxiety. Awesome. So you performed. Yeah. Can, we, can we hear a little, was it reprise? Can we ha- hear a little bit? Well, What's I mean, the song? I'm trying to remember what the song we, is. We would, we lip synced to it, so okay. I did not actually have to sing, uh, but it's, oh man, it's a long time, middle school. You remember, don't, Larry don't boy. mess with us. Larry Boy, and then there's oh, like yes, beats yes, in yes, the background, yes. yeah, and so there's a section in which Larry does sing a solo. Um, in that part, I leapt out of the cardboard box car, um, which was amazing, I did not trip, and then I made up this 
dance in the middle of the stage and that part I don't remember very well. <laughs> it's been blocked. <laughs> yes, that part's been blocked, but yeah. Oh, wow. This is terrific. I feel like I didn't even know you before this conversation, <laughs> Anna. Yes. Okay, so you have this moment, you're Larry Boy on stage. Are there any other, not to delve into to hard things, but are there any other kind of significant failures that you think back over the past however many years that, that stand out in your mind as moments where maybe you learned or gleaned something that you wouldn't have without that experience? Right, right. Um, I guess I'm going to go back to student teaching. Um, I was teaching physics and chemistry, and with the, the chemistry, he had a lot of resources for me. He, this is your mentor teacher. Yeah. Okay. Yep, my mentor teacher had a lot of resources for me, but didn't necessarily sit down and like review exactly what I was going to do that day. So I went and I taught Lewis dot structures, and I got something wrong, and I ended up teaching the entire day incorrectly. Um, and that to me was this moment of this is what I've been working towards and I can't even do it right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really kind of took it out of me a little bit. Um, and so I also wanted to just avoid it. I kind of asked him after the fact, like, I realized I did it wrong. Can I just pretend like it didn't happen? I didn't ask it that way, but that's the answer I was looking for. And he was like, no, you need to go in that classroom and you need to tell them that you were wrong and then you need to tell them the right way. Hmm. And I think that that was a significant, maybe the failure itself wasn't all that significant, but the lesson I learned, I think, was hmm. significant. How to respond after the, fa yeah. after the fact. Hmm. Yeah, how do you pick yourself up? And just the way the students responded to me when I admitted I did it wrong is so much better than if I had tried to hide it. And I think just that in my own personal life, as well as professionally, just being honest and straightforward and not avoiding the difficult conversations. Like it might not feel nice in the moment when you tell someone that you messed up and there might be some tension for a while, but I've always had such great experiences where my relationship with my class or my relationship with particular people end up growing so much more if I just am honest hmm. and then I move forward and then I don't avoid the difficult things, even if that's always my initial gut reaction is, well, that's scary. Amen. That, I mean, that's some serious wisdom. Honestly, I used to teach literature and that mm -hmm. was just a theme you notice in story right that mm -hmm. that avoiding conflict almost that i mean that doesn't ever make for a, an interesting story there's a right. correlation between conflict and meaning so often in a story yeah and yet we spend so much of our lives trying to cut conflict out right yeah. especially if it means going a hard way or taking the difficult path yes. even if i know that's the right path i'll, I'll avoid mm -hmm. it at all costs and I think some of us look around and say, like, why am I bored? Like, why is my life <laughs> devoid of meaning? And maybe it's because we avoid conflict at all costs. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. That I love that story. Anna Borsma, this has been a blast. I think mm -hmm. I just want to sit in your class and continue learning. You're welcome. But... Our time is almost up. Okay. We're doing this on a free period, so mm -hmm. the bell's going to ring. 
before we go, can you offer us what my old co-host Cam, Cam, my old buddy, mm. he used mm-hmm. to ask this question at the end of every conversation. He would say, what advice would you give yourself as a high schooler? If you could go mm. back in mm-hmm. time, what would you say to ninth or 10th or 11th or 12th grade Anna Borgma? Yeah. Um, I think I would say to try to not live in fear. I really like the shyness factor that I had or the fear of what might happen was just really big in my life. Um, And so just putting yourself out there. um, I think I would have really enjoyed being involved in a play or something. Um, Larry Boy, perhaps. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, But that just didn't cross my mind because what if or how would this go and kind of that fear of the unknown and just I like to play it safe too often and just another piece is just know thyself like how to learn what it is that you really love Um, I didn't know that I loved science that much until I was in college and I missed it I, I kept signing up for science classes in high school but I wasn't doing it because I really had thought about who am I and what do I love? And so just learning about yourself and not being afraid to step out. Anna Borsma, so grateful for your time. I appreciate your friendship and you are a blessing to this place and to the students who get to have you as a teacher. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. 